All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Team Jones coming at you this fall. We're excited for the fun new things we are doing. Now our part of the Straight Out of Prison podcast is wrapped up, but we're not finished. We're going to use this platform to tell other people's straight out of prison stories. Stay tuned. And if you have a story to suggest, DM us on social media or email Haley at teamjones.co. We've also redesigned our media kit with some exciting details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. Or shoot me a text or give me a call. 20 Five seven eight nine two zero one one. And on the cooking front, head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to check out the classes and events coming up in the fall. For those of you that don't know, I am also a certified life and business coach, and I would love to help you personally, or if you have a business that you're needing any kind of direction or restart with. Email Haley at TeamJones.co or shoot her a text, 205-789-2011. Finally, James's YouTube channel has added the first two seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. And it's really opened us up to a totally new audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. It's free so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. So now my YouTube channel can be a one-stop shop. You can learn how to cook some stuff and listen to podcasts. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube and we'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Thank you for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and I'm here to tell you a straight out of prison story. And this is Haley Jones, and I have not been to prison, but I'm here to help you tell the story. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) You always look at me like you don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) I'm I'm just not sure (laughs) we have to say it like that, but it's good. I mean... All right, so we last week we covered the backstory of Joseph yeah. and just kind of like where he came from, His which family. was super interesting to me, and I actually thought about that all week. Just the really, yeah. Well, the parts of his dad, Isaac. Jacob. Jacob, my bad. Isaac Jacob. would be his granddaddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jacob, and just you know speaking to his character specifically about the story of his daughter. Yeah. Where she got raped and he was more concerned about his own reputation. Yeah, that was sad. And just like, you know, that, like you said, pointing to his character. Mm -hmm. um, But yet there was still favor and. But God chose it. I don't, I mean, those are, that's just like part of the story that I feel like is not, you know, taught in Sunday school, if you know what I mean. Oh, no. I remember about Noah. They would teach you about Noah and they would say he was the only good person on the earth, so God chose him. 
and flooded the world and just left Noah. But if you go back and study Noah's life, he wasn't that great. I mean, yeah. but he believed, like when God spoke to him, he believed and he was chosen. So, not to get off on a tangent here, but I mean, it is interesting and I've thought about this. Thought about what? So, you know, well, you just mentioned that about Noah and all the other people mm-hmm. that we, I mean, we do say they're giants of faith and they are and yeah. like God yeah, used yeah. them. It's great. But I think what more you see like the pattern of the, like the people that God did things through and that were like favored yeah. were people that believed yeah. people that had faith. It wasn't like that. It wasn't that their character was like pristine and they were stellar. <laughs> no, but I think that we, or at least I do like, that's my default. Like, I don't know, feel like yeah, what I think, it. but yeah. anyway, so it's just interesting. It is. It's crazy. But really, if you study any human, because they're all humans in the Bible or even since then, everybody's got something like nobody really has it all together. They might look like they have it all together, on their highlight reel, it might look like everything's together, but in reality, there's always something. Everybody's always dealing with something. Yeah. Well, I think, like, for example, Paul in the Bible, like, yeah. he put all his stuff out there, you know. <laughs> all, I mean, his character stuff was all out there. You Which know how he part? killed the guy and, oh yeah, okay. you know, all that. But I feel like the other ones, you don't necessarily read those. or They're not as, like, clearly... Or more po- as popular stories in the Bible, I guess. Well, you just have to study them. Yeah. You have to study them out. I mean, like... King David, I mean, we're not talking about that, but he was a mess. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, not just him. him messing around with Bathsheba, but like he was a mess. Bathsheba. <laughs> he, had <to> get, Bathsheba. <laughs> he had to get him some Bathsheba. But uh, he was a human, but they all had one common denominator. They loved God and wanted his plan to go forward. And if you look at it from like a Calvinistic point of view, they were chosen. Okay, well, Calvinist, remind me what that is. <laughs> it's just a sect of Christianity that... A sect? Well, yeah, oh, like a like part a cult. of... No, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a cult. They're believers, but they believe that, that God has preordained everything and everything that happens was always supposed to happen. And, you know, you just do whatever. You don't even need to pray a lot. Just just accept it. <laughs> so it's, it's destiny? Yeah, pretty much. But, the, you know, there's Calvinists and there's the John Wesley came along and was like, no, it's somewhere in between. I believe it's somewhere in between. Like, God has a plan. We cooperate with a plan. If we don't cooperate, he'll find somebody else to cooperate. So it's funny because I just watched this romantic comedy last night after you went to bed. And, I mean, obviously it had nothing. No, it was not that. <laughs> it had nothing to do with, like, God or anything like that. But it was a romantic couple. And she was saying, I believe in destiny. And he said, well, I believe that I still have to choose. Yeah. And then they, you know, said it's somewhere in the middle. Like, it is destiny, but you still have to choose. Yeah. It reminds me of it's the same. Know, that. I mean, yeah. it is. Okay, back to it. Jacob. No, Joseph. No, who are we talking about? <laughs> the story's about Joseph. Joseph, yes. But we told his daddy's story last week, right. Jacob, just mm-hmm. to set us up to get to where. And we ended it where he lost the love of his life. So sad. Jacob did. Right, his Jacob daddy. did. So mm-hmm. J- Joseph's mom died on the way to their permanent home. Mm hmm. And she gave birth to his brother, Benjamin. So this would be his only full blood brother. Yeah. And then here we go. Okay. So in the last episode, we kind of established that Joseph was the favored child out mm-hmm. of 12 sons and at least one daughter. There may have been more daughters. Back in those days, they didn't count girls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I don't look at me. It wasn't. That's annoying. I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, you know, women weren't as valued in that culture as 
they are now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that even is up to the 20th century is when that started change. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 100 years ago was when you got the right to vote. Yeah. Like you, before that, you had to do whatever I said. <laughs> The Lord knew when I needed to be born, I guess. So, so um, yeah, so we established that Joseph was Daddy's baby. Yeah, so that's the name of this episode, Daddy's Baby. He was the one that made him happy. Um, he was the child of Rachel, who was the only woman that he loved. You know, he had four baby mamas all together, and Jacob was just, the sun rose and set for Jacob on Joseph. Like Mm -hmm. he was, that's my son. You know, the rest of this can matter, but you know, me and Joseph, we got our own thing going on. (laughs) Was kind of where we step into this story. So remind me again, how many older brothers did he have? Joseph had 10 older brothers. He was number 11 out of 12. And he had one younger brother, Benjamin. Mm -hmm. But it was basically, now they're living on like a compound. In those days, they didn't live in houses or they didn't because they were shepherds. They lived in tents. So they would set up a compound of like tents. So you had... Uh, Leah and her family, babies in one tent. Lazy-eyed Leah. Lazy-eyed Leah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then the two maids that he went into, Zilfam and I can't remember their names. Um, anyways. The extras. Yeah, you had a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> so, But from what it looks like, Joseph always stayed close to Dad. Like Joseph was the one that was in the tent with Dad. They were cooking and doing all the things. And he was clearly the favored son, which would kind of aggravate the rest of them, even if they loved Joseph, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be annoying. It's kind of like you one time because you're the second child. And you have a, like me. Because I asked you this one time. Let me say it. You have an older brother and a younger sister, mm-hmm. and I had always heard that the middle child had issues. Like they felt like I'm not the oldest, I'm not the youngest, you know, kind of identity crisis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even in my family, some of my cousins that are middle child seem to have issues with that. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not first, I'm not I'm not the baby, I'm not the oldest. And I asked you one time, <laughs> I said, so do you ever have any issues like, you know, not being the oldest and not being the youngest? And you were like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I was the only one that was playing. <laughs> like, it's true. You have zero, like, Issues with that. I don't know why I do. Like I, it's true, I, and I never have. But I think it's because you got a lot of the main attention. You think so? Well, one of the first times I gathered with your family, where we went out to eat, we were at some Italian place. I mean, I didn't know anything. I didn't. I just barely knew you. It was we'd only been dating about a month. We weren't engaged yet. But your sister Abby lifted up her glass and said to Haley. <laughs> And I didn't understand what was happening. Everybody said, to Haley. <laughs> and where did that come from? I Well, it came from, <laughs> I don't know where, I honestly, I don't know where it started, but like, I think I was always doing, so I'm a three on the Enneagram and I don't know where that started, but yeah. you know, I'm always like doing things and try to yeah. and you're and accomplish things. And it's really not about like getting the attention. I just like to feel like I'm better than everything. <laughs> so, so I do things it was always like, oh Haley, wow, Haley, like and then um <laughs> But this is as adults. Yeah, I know, because then my sister then made a joke, like she was like pissy because she was she's five years younger than me and she was just like, Why is it always like to Haley, to Haley, yeah. Haley this, Haley that and then like made and then my dad one time on her birthday, once she was making a big deal, you know, my dad was like he could like poke the bear and he realized it by her. Yeah. So on her birthday, like he raised a class and he's like, to Haley. <laughs> <laughs> on her 
her birthday, like, just to be funny. And so then it became a thing, like, every occasion, no matter what the occasion, whose birthday is somebody else's anniversary, like, they would raise a glass say, to Haley. (laughs) And that's like that to this day when we're all together. Somebody's going to say, to Haley. But so y'all didn't have a friction where you didn't, where you hated each other. No, no. I mean. But it's very similar to this when you go into this story with Joseph. It was kind of like Jacob, the dad, was always like, to Joseph, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's the one that we're going to celebrate. So, but, That's what we should have named this episode. What? To Joseph. <laughs> well, we haven't published it yet. We can rename it. But uh, just stepping into this part of the story, he, um, he was daddy's baby. He was the one. He was the one that got all the attention. He was the one that, you know, was, he was favored. But to top all this off, his daddy made him what's called a multicolored robe or a rainbow robe. Which in those days, um, they were shepherds, so they probably wore like sackcloth and, you know, they was out there milking cows and shearing sheep and feeding animals. So they didn't really probably dress very nice, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Then daddy came along. He's like, I'm going to hook Joseph up. I'm going to make him a cow incline or (laughs) what's that thing you wear now that has an M and a K on it? Well, Michael Kors, but they sell that at TJ Maxx. It's more like, I would say, Dolce & Gabbana. Like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but anyways, he was making him fancy. He fancy was, like. Yeah, he was setting him apart. But this pissed him off and made him angry that he got the special clothes. The brothers, you mean? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when I was in high school. You want to get a generic sweater and guest jeans. But we didn't have money for that, so I had to figure out a way to make that happen. But... It wasn't just that it set him apart that he got special clothes. It signified, like, to them, like, Joseph is more prominent than you. It set him apart from his brothers. Like, you could see Joseph where if you looked at them, you would only see, you know, drab and dull. And it made him jealous, which is understandable. That would make anybody jealous, I think. Mm -hmm. But it also said something else in that culture. It said to Joseph, you don't really have to work. Like, they can do all the work. Your older brothers can be doing all the milking and the shearing and all the dirty work. And you just hang back with me and, you know, we'll make pita bread in the tent. And when I need something, you go out and check up on your brothers. Was this like a coat that he would have worn every day? Well, they, it was actually a robe. It actually wasn't a coat. Okay. In those days, they wore robes. So so he was lounging in his robe. He was lamping. Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he probably posted up somewhere when, when all the ladies <laughs> coming by to look at his robe. But I think it's important to mention at this time, Joseph was 17 years old. So he was still a kid. But he was becoming a man, but he wasn't, um, I guess, smart yet. <laughs> he was getting there. But his older brothers, these were grown men. Some of them already had kids. So it's kind of weird. Like, Yeah, they must have been in like the 20s, 30s. Yeah, or even more. Range, yeah. Because he was late. But it reminded me of when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents had my Aunt Glennis, when, like a late-in-life child. And my granny actually was a grandmother before Glennis was born. Like her oldest son, Ronnie, had already had a son, Darren. So she was very late. But granny didn't know that she was could even still have babies and thought she was done with that when she found out she was pregnant with Glennis. But it did something to them. Like it gave them like a new lease on life because their kids were already... It gave who a new lease on life? My grandparents. Okay. Like especially my granny and my granddaddy. Like they just loved Glennis. Like they were in the stage of their life where they'd already made their money. Things were established. Uh, It was just a different 
probably than it was when my dad and the first ones came on because they mm-hmm. were, you know, in the Air Force struggling, doing all the things. And some of my dad's brothers and sisters would get so angry. Like my dad would get angry. I remember him going in her room when I was like six or seven and just fussing at my granny saying, why does she get all these good clothes? You gave us hand-me-downs. And, you know, just it was weird to see a grown man. Or better. Yeah, to be that jealous over something that just really was just a different season, different time. Well, it's like what you said, though. I mean, it's human nature, and I think, too, yeah, it's human nature, I think. Yeah. I feel like we all kind of think like that. But it'd be hard for me to be jealous of a little kid or a, like a very younger sibling. I mean, maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. I've seen that in other families. But usually the last kid gets the best because, yeah. you know, it's just how it works out. Yeah. But <laughs> it's your fate. It's your destiny. No, just every, like in a family, you know, you have your first kid, you're struggling to try to figure out how to keep them alive. But by the time three or four comes along, you're like, okay. Oh, trust me. I know. I remember when Abby went on this because we were all out and living, working. And Abby was a senior in high school. Yeah. And then she went on this Alaskan cruise with my mom and dad. And yeah. then she came back with a Louis Vuitton bag for She was like, I don't know what that it is. Was, it's like a, it's a designer that's, Spencer. I mean, these bags are like thousand plus dollars what and i had never gotten anything like that for my birthday and i was she was like yeah i got to pick it out for my birthday i'm like a louis vuitton bag and so then i asked my mom about it i was like did you seriously get a louis vuitton bag for abby because i know they're more than a thousand dollars i don't know and she was like well it's for her birthday and valentine's day and a little bit of christmas and i was like i'm gonna call bs on that we all know she gonna get something else yeah. <laughs> come the next holiday did it bother like, you yeah well it was just like what the heck i mean i'm not gonna say like i got i was like i would love a louis vuitton bag i mean just throwing that out there i didn't know that was an option <laughs> <laughs> but so. remember you got Hobie's car so. <laughs> I did um, Okay so I think we've established that Yeah Okay so he has the robe His brothers are jealous even though they're grown men Yeah And then what So you have to understand like the way Their business worked they were shepherds So they have flocks of like goats And sheep and maybe cows I'm not sure but to keep those flocks that kept growing, remember last time, Jacob is very wealthy. He's got land. He's got servants. He's got all this stuff going on. But though that is like not like having gold in the bank. That's like live currency. You got to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. So all the older brothers took care of the flocks. And you couldn't just throw them out in the yard and let them eat some grass because there were so many of them. They'd eat all the grass and then they would die. So you would have to take them out into the countryside into other places and let them go through eat some grass and keep moving so the grass will grow back. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they wouldn't just hang around home all the time. They would take the flocks out to somewhere and be gone, you know, a week or so. Yeah. But Joseph didn't do a lot of the work with them. He would hang back with his dad, and his dad would say, ride over to Shechem or over to Dothan or over, you know, wherever they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Ride out there, check up on your brothers, take them some cheese and raisins and some bread we baked. (laughs) And then come back and tell me what they're doing and how the flocks are doing. So basically, Joseph was like the one that would go tell on them. He was the team manager. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, he just sent them out to check on them, and then he'd come back and tell them what was going on. So yeah. honestly, if you're already aggravated, even if you weren't aggravated with your brother, how annoying is that? Like to have some little snot-nosed kid coming along, checking up on you, and don't go and tell daddy. Yeah. It reminded me... 
when I was going through the notes for this, then the season three of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, when I was dating Shauna and then Jeremy, her brother-in-law, who worked with me, would always go back and tell on us, like when we mm-hmm. weren't supposed to be talking all this stuff. That's annoying. That can put you in a place where you just, you start to like develop a hatred for somebody. Yeah. I mean, if they're in their 20, 30s, even older, and then this 17-year-old kid yeah. is going back and telling, telling daddy yeah. that they're not doing something right or whatever. Well, that's how I felt with Jeremy. Like, I'm a grown man. I'm th- right. I'm over 30 years old. And right. You, you treat me like I'm a teenager. You're going to tell. You exactly. act like a little girl. Like, yeah. I got to go tell. I hate that. I hate it. But uh, he was always telling on them. So they didn't like him. And then there was even one place in there where I read that I hadn't saw before that he was even telling on the other baby mamas. Like, he was going to tell Jacob everything. Like, she ain't washing out her drawers correctly, and she's, you know, <laughs> this one's doing that. And I don't know. He was just... Well, he sounded like he was a brat, he was quite a, frankly. He was a little snitchy. Yeah. He was. But he was also very confident. The Bible says that he was very handsome. Like, he was a lot to look at. He's a pretty boy. Which made him arrogant because, mm-hmm. you know, he had, I'm Joseph. I'm the man. I got the robe. You ain't got no robe. And But he was also a dreamer. So he was like, kind of like Brandon, always dreaming of the next thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm can, like that, too. What can I be futuristic? Yeah. You know, I'm going to do all this. So remember how you always say your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness? Yes. Well, as we progress in the story, you'll see that his ability to dream and interpret dreams would be the thing that made him who he was at some point. But at this point, it became his biggest weakness mm-hmm. because he told his brothers what he was dreaming. Yeah. And they didn't like it. Well, go ahead. What did he dream that they didn't like? <laughs> well, he had a bunch <laughs> Or what of did he say? Yeah. But he would just come bust out in front of him like, I had a dream last night. You know, we was out in the field. We were bringing the harvest. And, you know, we all had a sheaves. Our sheaves, sheaves, I guess, were things that you put your grain or something in that you were harvesting. Mm-hmm. And we set our sheaves down. All your 11 sheaves bowed down and worshiped my sheave. And they were like, who do you think you are, you little punk? You know, you think you're going to be a king over us? You're going to rule over us? You're going to be the leader of us? That's, that's never going to happen. And But he would tell them the dreams, and they would get more annoyed with him and aggravated. And then... Uh, okay, pause. Do you think he, like... He must have picked up that they were getting more annoyed and aggravated. And then he just kept telling them, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? He's 17. When you're 17, you think you know everything. Yeah. You don't. True. Uh, it was definitely an error mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like an annoying, like if my kid was doing that. Yeah. I'd be like, you need to, you're being, you're being annoying. Stop. Well, it got. Even if you had that dream, that's fine. You don't need to be <laughs> sharing it. It got worse than that, where he went to Jacob, his daddy, in front of all his brothers and said, last night I had another dream. There was 12 stars up in the sky, the sun and the moon. And the sun bowed down to me, the moon bowed down to me, and all the 11 stars bowed down to me and worshiped my star. So he was like, what is the matter with you, son? Where are you getting all this mess from? You think that your brothers and your mother and I are going to worship you one day? Like, what are you talking? Where is this coming from? But it also said that Jacob told him, like, to chill out. But at the same time, he, like, Jacob backed up and was like, I wonder if there's something to this. Like, he was pondering it. Like, there's something here. Like, mm-hmm. so he wasn't totally, like, telling him to hush it. Hush it. Right, right. <laughs> so what do you think the dreams did to the brothers? With him broadcasting like that. Well, okay, so I think if I were a sibling, I would think he's probably having those dreams because dad is, you know, favoring him so much. Yeah, making him feel like like he's feeding into it is what I would say in this, (laughs) you know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that it made them, it makes perfect sense that it made them resentful and... 
Well, it pissed them off even more. And it was like a an anger and a resentment and something that just kept growing and growing. It's like, this ain't getting no better. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he's just continually yeah. moving in this direction of thinking he's all that. Mm-hmm. And w- they didn't think he was all that. They thought he was a snot-nosed little kid that got on their nerves. Right. When he was 17, his brothers were out grazing the flocks. You know, sometimes they'd be gone two or three weeks at a time. We've already said Jacob, the dad, would send Joseph out to get a report and come back and tell him everything they were doing. So where we pick up in the story, the brothers were at Shechem, which was, you know, a ways away. Mm-hmm. He told Joseph, your brother's at Shechem. I need you to go out, take him some stuff, get a report, and then come back and tell me how the flocks are and tell me what your brothers are doing. You know, just going out and gathering information. Just like a check-in. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Joseph headed out to Shechem where they were supposed to be. When he got there, they weren't there. He couldn't find them. So there was a man. So there was a man that was there. Said I heard him say something about going over to Dothan, and so Joseph headed that way to find them, which was another quite a distance away from where they were. So the interesting part of the story says when they saw him in the distance, they got angry. So why do you think they could see him distance away, riding on his donkey or whatever he's riding on? I don't know. Because of his rainbow coat. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so how would they, if they saw in the distance somebody coming at them, how would they, they know knew it was, it was their brother? Yeah. But when they saw daddy's baby in his rainbow <laughs> coat, they knew it was him. <laughs> yeah. And apparently it took some time for him to get to where he was to them. And it was like with every every move of him getting closer, they got angrier and angrier and just, just we're sick of his dreams. We're sick of him telling on us. We're sick of him being the favorite we're just sick of him altogether, and they decided, I think we should just take him out and be done with him. Then we don't even have to fool with this anymore. Mm-hmm. So they like devised a plot that they were going to kill him. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. That's an extreme reaction, but <laughs> but I think you got to remember, I guess, that in those days there was a lot more of that stuff going on. Just killing in general. Yeah. I mean, how they killed all the people that raped, raped sister. their sister, yeah. which, you know, I mean. But you got to think killing your own brother, that's a, that's a, even if you're a killer, that's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was a thing where, like, it was a buildup of resentment and emotion and just... 
Like, we can't win. There's no way to win this game. So let's just take him out and be done with him. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what happens to his dreams then. You know, what's going to become of him then? A little dreamer, a little snot-nosed, little brat. We're going to get him. How are they going to kill him? I mean, we know what the Bible says. Tell me something I don't know about the plan. Well, just that they were going to kill him. And the older brother, Reuben, was the one that came to his defense. And he was like, look, he's our brother. I know he's aggravating. He's annoying. gets on our nerves. But we can't kill him. He's our brother. So I know y'all want like some kind of retribution. You're pissed off. Just take him and throw him in a pit until we figure out what to do with it. So Reuben, maybe because he was the oldest, he felt more responsibility, especially for his dad. So he was the one that talked them, talked the other brothers into not killing him. Okay. So, but his plan was just to like cool them off because he knew they were angry and their emotions would, you know, they would they would regret doing something like that, even though they were angry. So he acted like he was going along with it to have him thrown into a pit, and then he was going to circle back and pull him out of the pit and take him back to his dad. You know, just kind of something an older brother would do. Like, yeah, I'm just going to step in. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to handle this, and then this will be the end of it. And they'll get over their toxic emotions toward Joseph, and everything will be fine. So when Joseph got there, he was like, hey, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here from dad. And um, it says they took him and roughed him up and stripped him of his robe and just basically humiliated him and threw him in a pit. And it was a pit that didn't have any water. And in those days in the desert, like if you got thrown in a pit, you couldn't get out by yourself. Somebody would have to pull you out. Yeah. Yeah, you were just stuck down there. So that's what they did with him, just kind of threw him down in the dusty nastiness of the pit and was like, yeah, you just sit there and think about your dreams little punk and then it says they didn't even feel bad about it they went to have lunch like we got to eat it's time to eat and sat down and we're eating lunch and something happened to reuben it doesn't say what but he left and went somewhere else like i don't know if he was maybe like trying to find another concubine to get with or you know handle some business or whatever he was doing off on the side but he wasn't there when they sat down to eat lunch okay so reuben wasn't there because whatever he was doing so it was the rest of the brothers joseph was in the pit and then you know that they were probably feeling like there's some kind of like satisfaction in that. You know when we yeah. like mess up, but sometimes it just feels good before you get caught or before, yeah. you know. So they you were do. probably in that like, dang, that felt good. <laughs> you know? We got him. <laughs> okay, so then the, they're at lunch. They're at lunch, and then apparently they were like on a main highway between where they lived and headed to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And in those days, Egypt was like the world power. And there was a group, a caravan, it said, which it could have been 50 men, coming by of Ishmaelite traders. So they would take their stuff that they had in their land. How the heck do they know those were Ishmaelite traders? Because the... Ishmaelites. It's not like they have the branding on the vans as they're driving by. Well, no, they're they're related. Okay. Like if you go back to their grandfather, had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, but they ran Isaac. It's kind of like what it is now. If you're in that part of the world, there are people that are Israelis and they're Arabs. So the Israelis came from Isaac, and the Arabs came from Ishmael. But they all grew up in that land together because they were both sons of Abraham. So they would have recognized them for who they were. Maybe the way they dressed, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just being real here. I'm not being, like, condescending or whatever. But would it be kind of like us and the Mexicans? What do you mean? Like, I mean, I know when someone's Mexican, usually because they're usually darker skinned and darker hair. What if they're Cuban? Or Cuban or Spanish from some. You know what I mean, yeah. though. Around here in certain areas, there are certain populations that there's more, you know, demographics, I You guess. mean that you can tell who they are? Yeah. So like Was if, it like that? Yeah. So, like, if the Greeks come to town, you know there's okay. the Greeks. They all got dark hair. Yeah. Or if the 
uh, Swedish people come to town, all those blonde-headed people with the blue eyes and the yeah. very light skin, you know that. Yeah. Um, it was like that. I mean, the the populations had not been mixed like they are now. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, could, so it was a clear difference in their physical appearance. Yeah, and probably what they did. like so, so uh, Their the, jobs. Yeah, the yeah. Hebrews, they were... Uh, Shepherds, they did animals. The uh, the Ishmaelites were traders, so they would get their frankincense and myrrh and all the stuff they grew in their land, and they would take it to Egypt to sell it. So they sold stuff. That was what, that was what they did. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know what it's like, but, you know, it was just what they did. I get it. I get it. Okay. Go ahead. So as they're sitting there, one of the brothers, Judah, he got an idea. He was looking at the, the Ishmaelites come by, and the way they were, it was like on flat land. Like, he probably might have watched them walk by for hours mm-hmm. because, you know, it took that long to get there. As he was sitting there, came up with a plot. He was like, we can't, we can't kill him. This is our brother. He's our own flesh and blood, but we can get rid of him. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And he said, we could actually get rid of him and make some money. We can sell him as a slave to these uh, Ishmaelites going to Egypt. Because, you know, in Egypt, they'd be wanting slaves, people to do all their stuff for them. Right. And they pay good money. So let's don't kill him. Let's pull him out and sell him. And everybody agreed. So that's what they decided to do. Which is interesting. Like, in our context, all we know of slavery is that in America, in colonial America, like they brought the, the slaves from Africa and made them slaves. Yeah. But slavery's been going on since beginning of time. Right. And mm-hmm. like in these days that we're talking about here with Joseph, like you can make anybody out to be a slave. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of the color of their skin. They would like mark them with something or put a uh, put a nail in their ear or something. There's all kind of weird stuff they would do. Yeah. Um, I remember you going to a Bible study one time with some ladies where they talked about a slave's ear being nailed to the door. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh. And you were so troubled. Yeah. Do you remember that? I was like, I'm sure that happened if the Bible said it, but I don't really feel encouraged walking out of there. I think the lady was trying to make it that we need to be slaves to Jesus. And- yeah, that we need to nail my ear to the door. I'm like, I don't want to be nailing my ear to a door. He's like, I'm out. I'm not putting my ear to no door. I don't think God wants me to do that. And- I'll be a servant and all, but... <laughs> But so they, they made the plot. That's what they decided they were going to do. And uh, they didn't kill him. They decided he was their brother, so they were going to sell him as a slave. So they made the pitch uh, to the Ishmaelite traders, brought Joseph out. You know, they probably looked at him, you know, is he healthy, is he this or that? And they ended up selling him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Imagine what Joseph was thinking, though, when all that was happening. I mean, you know, like the confusion, the fear, yeah. all the things. And see, knowing that your brothers are doing that. Shattered. Like, yeah. Shattered. I read a commentary because I've always been interested in this story, and I've read tons of commentaries on this story, but I read a commentary one time where the author said, and J- Joseph was so filled with faith, he just kept his mouth shut as a sheep being led to slaughter. And I was like, I don't think that's what happened. And I went back and, you know, searched in the, the story, and actually, when they actually wrote this part of the story where they said he was so, it doesn't say he said anything, but when at the end of the story, his brothers are recounting what happened. They said, you heard how he begged and pleaded and was screaming and crying and carrying on, and we weren't, mm. we were hard and wouldn't listen to him. Yeah. So when it came time for him to go, he was screaming and crying and begging and pleading, you know, don't do this to me. Like, what are you doing? Oh, and, that's um, sad. But they would have put him in chains yeah, to get him to be a slave. So it was a... Dramatic scene, probably. Yeah, it was a rough deal. So 20 things of silver, that's how much they got? Yeah. So what would that be in modern day money? I don't know. Marnie. <laughs> it said 20 shekels of silver, so 
Whatever that's worth. It was a sum of money. Yeah, it doesn't it sound like that much, though, honestly. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Seemed like if you're going to trade a human being, you get a whole lot more than that. But. Yeah, I would have demanded a lot more <laughs> if I was selling my sibling, I can tell you. <laughs> well, they were just trying to get rid of him. Yeah. And it worked. So they took care of him. He's gone. He's headed off to Egypt. And they have his rainbow robe. So they want to deceive their father. They don't want their dad to know what they did. So they killed a goat. And then they took the blood of the goat and... Like dip the robe in it to make it look like an animal had attacked Joseph. Like a goat got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, like a wild animal got him. Okay. It was just blood, red blood. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they didn't have DNA tests in the. I know. Sure I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was to make their dad think that he was dead, mm-hmm. and then they could cover up what they did. And it was interesting to me, like you reap what you sow, mm-hmm. or you know, it always comes back to you when you do stuff. Jacob used goat skins to trick his his dad that he was Esau, remember? Yeah. And now they're using goat blood to trick Jacob into thinking that Joseph is dead. So about this time, Reuben comes back and figures out that he's gone and just kind of loses his mind. Like, what kind of, like, I can't believe y'all did this. But they were like, we didn't kill him. He's he's going to Egypt. Yeah. But he's out of our hair. We don't have to fool with him no more. Um, but you can I can't imagine like living with that lie. I mean, I feel like everybody listening to this, whether you admit it or not, yeah. has lied about something. Yeah. And then you like, well, at least for me, like feeling like, oh, when you just know it's like this yeah. pit, like this uh, unsettledness, like mm-hmm. a pit in your stomach. Yeah. So, you know, they must have felt that well, it like got, heavily. <laughs> it, it got worse when they got back to their dad because Ruben... In the process of figuring out what they did, just finally caved in and was like, okay, I'll go along with the plan, you know, because this is what we've done. Or y'all did it. I was trying to get him back to dad. They took the robe back to to Jacob and was like, we found this. Is this your son's? And he lost his mind. And he was like, that's my son. You know, he's been killed by a wild animal, a tiger or something got him. He couldn't feel better. It says he was inconsolable that all of his kids would come to him and try to help him feel better. And he was like, I can't ever feel better. I'm never going to get over this. And I will carry this with me until the day that I die. And I will see my son in the next life. Like he was just in, in grief. Like he never... Which, I mean, I've never lost a child, but I can, if you just think of it in the most simplest context of losing a child, yeah, I feel like any parent who's lost a child probably feels that on some level. Yeah. So. That's, I, I can't imagine. I yeah. can't imagine that. I don't want to try to imagine it. Yeah. Um, but this was what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So Jacob thinks his favorite son is dead. The brothers have got rid of their problem. And mm-hmm. their dreaming, arrogant brother. and But what about Joseph? So Joseph is dazed and confused, I'm sure. I, yeah. like, I think of that scene, what you just described, him like yelling and begging. Pleading. I mean, that, that's traumatic, obviously. It is. Um, one interesting scripture that has always helped me about this, what happened to Joseph, is actually in the book of Psalms. And I found this years ago, it was when I was going through counseling, how when something happens to you, you can't let it get in you. Mm-hmm. And... I'll have to, I can put in the show notes. I, I, I didn't even know I was going to say this, but uh, there's a psalm where it talks about Joseph when they're snatching him up to put him into slavery. It said they locked him, they locked his legs with iron and like the iron shackles kind of hurt. But it says in the Amplified Bible that the iron did not enter his soul. It said that he entered the iron, but the iron did not enter his soul. Ooh. So, it, I mean, that's a deep scripture and it, it has helped me so much. Like when something happens, 
like you're in the middle of a traumatic situation and you can't understand and doesn't make any sense, it's easy to let that get in you. Yeah. If you let it get in you, then you're going to, you know, you're not going to win. But if you can figure out a way not to let that get in you and trust God and move forward, then you can see a better outcome. So how do you do that? I mean, I'm thinking of a situation right now for myself, like not letting the iron get in you. That is like really heavy and deep, but... How does one not let it get in you? <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, my I think my biggest references were, remember at the end of the last season of the Straight Outta Prison podcast when I got fired? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not somebody, I don't get fired. I, I quit jobs. Yeah. I don't get fired. <laughs> Just going through the process of figuring out what was next, that was the first thing that Jesus said to me that I wrote down in my journal. Don't let this get in you. If you let it get in you, you're not going to be able to do what I got for you. Mm. And it was hard and it was, you know, it was a process. And honestly, it didn't take that long because I knew on the front end, like this was something that was unfair and wrong that happened to me. But if I'll do it God's way and not get bitter, not get resentful, not get anxious, not get angry, not try to take revenge, then this is going to produce some great result for me on the other side. But if I let it get in me, then I'm going to end up like so many other people I know that are just right. feeling sorry for themselves and just, they did this and I'm a victim and look what happened to me and poor me. And if you want, if you want like God's best, if you want phenomenal results in your life, you can't, you can't let that stuff get in you. And that's the thing that stands out to most of me about him being sold into slavery was he made the decision. I'm just going to trust God, figure it out, and I'm not going to let this get in me. So I do think this is a great place to end, but yeah. I do want to say that, I mean, I've never been to prison, so obviously I can't relate to that experience, but I feel like that's true since this is a straight out of prison podcast, yeah. is that you, like, going to prison and so many others, like, that I feel like I attribute that, correct me if I'm wrong, to your success of coming out and staying out, that it didn't get in you. Well, it did at first. It did at first. I learned how to get it out of so- me. <laughs> It came in and he got it out. But I think, okay, well, that's good a good point, too. Because, I mean, yeah. but I can, even though I've never been to prison, I can still think of things that have happened to me and that, you know, that I maybe was on the verge of. Maybe I did let some of it get in me. Yeah, but how, internalize it. But how important it is to either not let it in or get it out if it's already gotten in. Yeah. To be able to move on. Recently, I've been cooking, doing cooking spots on Fox 6, Birmingham, local Birmingham area for, gosh, about 14, 15 years. One of my closest people when I go cook is Janice Rogers. She, she's the anchor of the Good Day Alabama. I've been talking to her for years. I know we're friends. But it's weird to hear her talk to me, talk about me to somebody else. And it was shut down for over a year because of COVID. We couldn't go in. But the last, I can't remember, one time when I went, you went with me. And I was cleaning up where I did my cooking segment. Y'all were over there talking. You were telling her about the podcast. And she said, the thing that that most impressed me about James when I met him, he'd only been five or six years out of prison, but he wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He didn't seem to be jaded. And it's just so weird. I've, I've known other people. I just don't understand that. And I remember that just felt like such a compliment. But I just, you know, peeked my head back in there. I said, that's because I went through counseling because I had an experience with Jesus. And I went through years and years and years and years of therapy and counseling because that's the only thing that can, like, make that kind of change. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was a good, a great compliment. Yeah, for sure. But it's the same because things are always going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. It's part of being on this earth. People are going to do stupid things. They're going to say things. Things are going to happen. People are going to lie on you. People are going to just do things that are injustices to you and that are not fair. And you can like be mad and get on social media and rant and rave, but that's not going to help you. It might help you feel better like for a minute, but it's like a... Uh, 
what's the opposite of authentic? A fraud. Inauthentic. Uh, yeah. Like fake. A, yeah, it's like a fake feel better. Yeah. Because you're going to feel better for a minute, but it's going to come back and it's going to be worse. Yeah. So the way of Jesus is to forgive and trust and move on. And somehow Joseph made that decision on his way to Egypt, which at that time was a world power. And this is probably where we need to wrap up this story, and we'll pick it up again next week. But when he got to Egypt, he was sold to an Egyptian official named Potiphar, who was like a ranking... Uber rich. General, but he was in the government. He was one of... Pot- uh, Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's people that worked for him. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. Well, I do want to point out, too, I know we're in and up, but like yeah. all these dreams and stuff that Joseph had and, you know, goals, if you want to put it in today's context, or maybe... Maybe wasn't his goals, but who he thought he was going to become, yeah. how he thought he was going to become, that it's kind of interesting that like this first step in that journey <laughs> was being sold into slavery and, you know, just gut gut, no, wrenching, <laughs> but that was actually a necessary step to the end. Well, we'll see. That's not Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Crazy. Joseph. We love you anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Poor the brothers Jason. did that to you. <laughs> All right. So daddy's baby's headed off to slavery in Egypt, and the brothers are moving on with their life. Yes. And we'll pick up here next week, and we'll see what Joseph's doing in Egypt while he's being a slave. <laughs> I have one more thing I want to say just to end this. What? To Joseph. To Joseph. He's the man. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. Or shoot me a text or give me a call, 205-789-2011. Schedule us for your podcast or to be considered as a guest on one of our platforms, contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and click on that join forces button for exclusive content download the patreon app and look up team jones media you'll find many levels of subscriptions but all levels have one feature you'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they are completely free of ads the best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review or follow us on social media facebook instagram tiktok youtube and more and that's too much to talk about here we'll put it all in the show notes. Please support our sponsors as they help us provide you this platform for free. Thank you for your support and thank you for being a part of our story.
Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. That's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast. Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I with the toes. <laughs> <laughs>
Or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing.